Hello, welcome to another episode of the Menswear Style Podcast. I'm your host, Pete Brooker. Today, I am talking to Ryan Mallinson. He is the creator and founder of Mallin and Son. And uh, Mallinson, they started servicing high-end jackets from Barber, Bellstaff, Burberry, and everything in between, whilst flying the flag for sustainable fashion, all from their kitchen table in the heart of West Yorkshire. And I had a great time talking to Ryan. We did about 20 minutes off air talking about Leeds and Wakefield, where he's from, and uh, film jackets and uh, what it's like to work within the industry and, and how to source really, really lucrative motorcycle jackets. None of that's in this interview. <laughs> Sorry. But a lot of great stories about how Ryan got the brand off the ground, and I think uh, some of this will be very pertinent to you. So without any further ado, here is Ryan Mallinson to talk about the brand Malin and Son. So Malin and Son, as you, as you can probably hear and tell, my surname is Mallinson. It's a play on my surname, um, and it is a business that started by accident uh, maybe three years ago now. I am a tight Yorkshireman, as you can probably tell by my accent. And I needed a barber jacket waxing. So I bought one um, and working in digital services, which is my my background, um, user-centered design, all this kind of technology-based thing. You don't do much with your hands and you certainly don't see a, an end product. So I decided to um, give waxing a go. I've never done anything before. never knew it was a thing. Did it, made an absolute mess of the jacket that I waxed. Um, so I thought, right, this has got to be easier. So I tried it again. And realized for probably an hour, a bit longer, I wasn't doing anything other than thinking and just relaxing whilst waxing a jacket, um, which sounds bizarre. But normally when technology steals your time and steals everything from you, sometimes it's really liberating to just remove all of that stuff. So yeah, from there, um, did a bit of research, tapping back into my skill set and realized there was a real gap in the market for that kind of thing. Um, started doing friends and it soon became apparent to me that people weren't aware that waxing was a legitimate thing. So as an example, you'll have people going into uh, Bell staff and paying £450 for a, a trial master. The wax will wear off after a year if you wear that a lot. It then stops being waterproof. And then what people were doing, and again, based on my research, they were going and paying 450 for another trial master, right. which uh, will come on to the sustainability element later on. But uh, again, bringing it back to the tight Yorkshire, being absolutely honest, that's a waste of money, really, because these jackets are perfectly fine. So I'd, I'd wax the jacket for fifty pounds, and you go back to the customer, and they'd be like, "Wow, this is as good as new. You've saved me four hundred pounds there." Um, and that's just using Bell Staff as an example. So, uh, and, and I'll be honest with you, it's one of these things where you look back at and you think, "Why on earth did I do this? Why did I do that?" But it was a case of I just fancied doing something different. So at the time I had an old mini clubman, um, and not an old, old one, but a, a 2013 mini clubman in red. It looked, looked amazing. Um, and I used to walk around Leeds, uh, where, where I used to work full time. Used to walk around in my lunchtime, handing out flyers for this service to people who looked like they might own a wax jacket or people wearing wax jackets. Right. Got talking to retailers that sold them, stuck my flyers in there. And then the phone started ringing, no website, no Facebook page or anything. The phone started ringing. And then I would go drive, spend my evenings driving around Yorkshire, um, picking up these wax jackets. And again, as I'm saying this to you, you're thinking, what? And I was thinking, how are there so many jackets? Um, so I'd wax them, turn them around in a week. 
Uh, and it really just built from there then. It came to a point of me thinking, I can't, I can't sustain this because it's costing me a million pounds in petrol per week. Right. But I'm onto something. I really am onto something. Set up a website um, and started doing, well, the, the one main deci- the kind of big decision that changed everything for the business was to do a mailbag service. So the thing I found was getting the jackets in. People were now realizing this was a service. They now realized they wanted the service because it saved them money. And it also gave them a, a jacket back that, that was fit for purpose. So the problem I wanted to solve was getting that jacket to me. So kind of informally, I had a few people just post them. This is all at my home address as well, working in the attic. But they were arriving in bin liners and Sainsbury's bags and all this kind of thing. Um, so I did a bit more research and started a mailbag service from our website, whereby a customer goes to our, to our website types in their name and address, and then they receive an, an address mailbag and an order form. They pop it in there and it comes back to us. So that took all of that hassle out of, of, of that process. And that was two years ago. Right. So roll on now, these mailbags are going out to um, America. I mean, we do so many to the US. And being a bit of a, a romantic, when the states come, uh, the, the names of the states come back, and you're like, oh, wow, look at this. This is New York and this is Alabama. Right. How? How on earth is, is this happening? So just going back a step, we, well, I used to push it a lot on Facebook, used to go on the um, Bell Staff Owners groups and all this kind of thing. And then I received an email from Bell Staff themselves saying they'd been watching us and taking note of our work. Nice. Um, this is completely off the record, but definitely on the record, so here we go. Uh, okay. <laughs> and they took us on as a partner, and this was two years ago. I was sat in my attic during a massive heat wave, sorry, the year before, um, the pandemic sat in the attic in my boxer shorts during a massive heat wave waxing 50 jackets from, from Bell Staff's Regent Street store. Um, nice. and that was just like, right. Okay. This is, um, if Bell Staff are taking notice, we're doing something right. So what were they, sorry to interject. Sorry. What, were, what were they doing the brands before they got hold of you? Would they have their own in-house team that would do this? And yeah. Aftercare? So I think what we've done, and we've done this with Barbara as well, because I've met with, with Barbara in uh, last year. We've, they've been offering this service. Uh, I know Bell Staff used to do it for free. Um, Barbara did it, but took six to eight weeks. Now we were doing it in seven days. So you, you can't compete with that. If a customer puts the jacket on today and it's raining, they want that to be... Um, um, a season's want... over in six to eight exactly, weeks. Exactly, exactly that. And there were lots of horror stories about them going missing and, and all this kind of thing. So I wanted to bring that real customer service element back into it. You know, the, the person you're speaking to is the person waxing your jacket. I'm going to, at the time of uh, going around in the car, was shaking hands and pre-COVID, obviously. In my flat cap, my watch jacket and red mini, it was a bit of nostalgia. You're selling that whole experience and that feeling to somebody going, wow, this guy is coming to my big house in Boston Spa and collecting my five barbers and he's going to take them away and bring them back. All I have to do is pay the guy some money when he comes. It's it's customer experience. Um, so Barber and Bellstaff, I, I, mean, I use them two as the kind of exemplars of watch jackets. They're the two mainstays. And there's lots of people doing better uh, Private White and uh, just to mention one, uh, John Partridge, another brand I work with who are fantastic, Peregrine. Um, but Barbara and Bellstaff were offering this as a service. Bellstaff were offering it for free um, and Barbara were doing it, taking a long time. Right. So I went in and charged more than Barbara, not by much, £7 more per jacket. 
Um, I was happy with that, and I still am, and it's and and it never stopped with them. So that's great. But with Bell Staff, um, I think what we did as a business was make them realise that this industry was a thing, mm. um, and it was a little bit profitable because we we've built a business on the back of that. Right. Uh, one of the things, again, being cynical about it, is a lot of those traditional Barber and Bell Staff customers who love the old. Um, limited edition pieces and the Solway zippers of Barber and all these kind of things. They've grown a little bit disillusioned with those brands who've now gone mainstream and high street. Mm. So the customer who connects with, I'm going to use a Solway zipper, a Barber Solway zipper, which is a revered jacket that um, people love them. uh, And if you can get hold of them, they're not going to go into a high street store and buy a Barber two piece shorts and matching um, nylon shirt, if that makes sense. So what I was also doing is mopping up some of that heritage that those brands had forgotten. Right. So me, the, the Yorkshireman doing our thing, shaking hands, bringing back that whole craftsman, that, that whole customer experience, people were really connecting to us um, on that aspect, really. Right. It's, it's quite fascinating because, I mean, we touched on su- sustainability. I'm guessing what year were you driving around in the Cooper trying to shake hands and get, get in front of people? 2018 2019 okay so i mean sustainability to it was was a thing and i mean four years on it's really a thing now and it's almost like front and center of everybody's web page now or e-commerce site is their sustainability pledge even before the newsletter sometimes right absolutely but back then what were the vibes and what were the conversations around sustainability for you back then it wasn't so the, the whole greenwashing thing is a thing now. It's yeah. you know you see it in shop windows of every high street where there's a, a green slogan in the window and it's it's like nah this is this is this is nonsense. It's a virtue signaling. Absolutely. Mm. Now I'm not going to say that I am the the, the saviour of, of sustainability through Malin and Son and all this kind of things. I'm from a council estate in Leeds. Now you know I, I should not be wearing a bell staff, let alone. <laughs> do, do you know what I mean? People like where I'm from, we don't do that. We don't talk about sustainability and all this kind of thing. Um, sustainability is naturally a byproduct of what we do. So fixing, mending, reproofing, it's naturally sustainable. You know, it's, I'm either very lucky or very clever. Depends who's talking to me and I'll, I'll give you a different answer. But it's what we're doing now where a lot of brands are using us as their, their tick for um, sustainability. So we work with a lot of wax jacket manufacturers who some silently, some, some talk about us quite, quite openly because they can't afford to bring into their business what we do. So they outsource to us and that's their going, right. you know, that's a sustainability tick really. Yeah. It's quite interesting also that these are investment pieces when people buy a bell staff, like you mentioned, or, or whatever jacket is, it's typically any kind of wax or rigid fabric, canvas. You know, you're going to be paying a handsome sum, but these are investment pieces that people expect to last. So I don't quite know the mentality and I think it might just be old-fashioned dude mentality. When something doesn't quite go the way you want it with a certain garment, you then yeah. start thinking, is it just going to be easier time and money-wise for me to go out and spend another 700 quid on a jacket? And the answer is no. But it's but, marketing that does that to you, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's kind yeah, of like, let's not, have something brand new and shiny. And uh, Absolutely. Easy. I mean, I did it. Myself. I fall for it a lot. I, I'm, I sit behind, I sit on the other side of the marketing game. You know, social media is a tool for a brand to build a business, you know, as, as one aspect of it. Um, and I have a love-hate relationship with that. But actually, for, for my business, it's been fantastic. But with marketing, um, I bought some aftershave last week. And then I went to, I took my stepdaughter to the Trafford Centre yesterday. 
had a whiff of some Aqua de Palma, and now I'm thinking, well, I need the aftershave. And I'm like, well, you don't need the aftershave. Yeah, the marketing's yeah. told you that you need the aftershave. So with, with the, the, the jacket thing, everybody knows. It's like an old pair of jeans, a pair of shoes. They're your investment pieces, your shoes, your outerwear. That's the bits you want to put your money into. Mm. Nothing fits like a, a jacket that you've had a long time. And yeah. stories we get from, and, and I generally mean this, the um, jackets who've been passed down from grandparents. Or we had a, a jacket that had, it was a leather jacket, but it had been in the Battle of Britain. Um, but the amount of stories that people tell you about their jackets and the emotional connection, they don't want to bin them off. And, you know, there's, there's a question about the quality of the newer stuff as well. Is it as good? I, I'm not, I don't think it is. Not in everything, but in quite a lot of things. But um, mm. we, we talk about adding chapters to a jacket story. So yeah. when you've ripped it, we like to see that big patch. We want to see that fix. And that's, you know, this is when I was walking the dog and yeah. this happened. And that's the kind of thing. So it's that emotional connection that, that links into that experience that um, it's really caught people's imagination. And you do other lines as well as the repair. So that's, um, yeah. well, maybe you can tell me how much of that is part of the business versus uh, the other lines that you have, the t-shirts and the parkers sure. and what else is going on? Absolutely. So this this is where, um, and this this has been a long journey for me personally, because when we talk about sustainability, um, we can't get any more sustainable than fixing something old and, and, and putting it, you know, giving it back to the customer. So creating something new, am I adding to the problem? Now, that was a big, big question for mm. me. Um, but I'm ambitious and I also see when people buy our t-shirts, so we do t-shirts, we've done, um, sweatshirts, uh, I want to say kind of basic essentials, stuff that you can, um, it's representative of me. Basically, I want to create stuff that I want to wear because then it, you know, it's why, why bother? But, um, by buying into our brand or our t-shirt, I see that as people supporting what we do as a, as a, almost as a movement for the, the jackets and so on. So we have, um, yeah, we have a range of T-shirts. Uh, later this year, we're going to be getting some um, woolen goods made in a factory up in the Yorkshire Dales, all made from local wool as well. So there's some some great stories there. We hand make hats um, from local wool. So we've got some really nice touch points and stories. Um, last year, we did a big run of uh, sweatshirts and tees manufactured in this country. Was that for a local boxing gym I saw? Was it a limited edition? No, no, no. It was, it was completely inspired by that whole feel of the, the vintage boxing gyms of the 60s. Right. Um, so that, that was the – everything we do, we try and do limited, and there's two reasons to that. One, I want people to buy it. Two, I want people to feel special when they buy it. Um, and luckily, touch wood so far, everything has sold. But when you start looking into deeper into the manufacturing game, uh, that's when thing be- things become really murky. Um, and when you start wondering about where things are made and what's the right choice, is there being absolutely cards on the table here? If I manufacture a T-shirt in this country, yeah. um, it's going to cost me £17 per unit. If I manufacture that in Portugal, that's going to cost me £7 per unit. Yeah. As a small business that's effectively trying to grow, where's, where's what's the right answer to that? You know, it's a, it's a real difficult difficult thing to do really well you i mean it's 
it's not a new problem because I, I've interviewed uh, quite a few people on this podcast that have done both. Like they've yeah, stuck yeah. to their roots, you know, and they've almost flown the flag for the brand that they might be representing saying, this is what we're about. This is our identity yeah. is making stuff in England. And then they might get four or five years down the road with such brand, want to upscale it, but no, it's, it's a slog because of how much it costs to produce garments in this country. Whereas you have people that might look like they're the, ambassadors for British fashion. And I'll, I'll say his name as well, David Gandhi, who yeah. will have David Gandhi wellwear made in Portugal. Yeah. Now, that's nothing against David Gandhi or his line or his clothes, but he's made a decision early on to have English designs made elsewhere and not have the philosophy of the brand centered around English manufacturing, even though he is a great ambassador for English tailoring. Sure. There is a conversation to have with your inner self, I suppose. How important yeah. is it for you, someone like you, to have the garments made in the UK? Absolutely. So funny you mentioned David Gandhi. We, we crossed paths uh, at the end of last year, um, just by chance almost. Um, I, and I don't know if I should say this, but hope, hopefully he'll be wearing one of our hats next winter um, because he, he bought one last year, which is a massive thing for us. Um, and he offered us some really good feedback on the touch points as a brand, which was really interesting, obviously, with his experience and all that kind of thing. But yeah, the um, I know that the well-wear stuff's made in Portugal. Now, you look at um, like Bellstaff, a lot of that's made in Romania, um, Carhartt, a lot of that's made in Bangladesh. So, Sunspe- so here's- Sunspell's ma- Sunspell is made in Portugal. Yeah. I mean, that's like the, you don't so get any older than Sunspell. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So is it, do, do we go for quality or do we go for, I'm not saying it's, I'm not saying the answer is that it's, it's worse quality in this country because it isn't, mm. but the quality of the goods made in Portugal who are known as for, for jerseys and, and so on, um, that is fantastic. Mm. It's mm. fantastic. So, what well, i'm not sure what the answer is really um it's it's a tough one so what, what i try and do is balance that so the i uh, link with uk brands such as john partridge and collaborate on making uk made jackets mm-hmm. so we've done one um so far which has gone really well really happy with that but to take that a little bit further um what we're about to launch is a, a custom works project so we were getting customers messaging us and saying look i've seen a, a, a barber jacket on ebay can i buy that but send it straight to you you do your work to it and then send it to me nice so we used to get that a lot um so what we're now doing is buying everything on ebay buying everything on vintage depop all of the old pieces that are dead um you know that need a lot of work doing to them and reimagining them rethinking them customizing them and then putting them back into circulation so how do you do that right, for your so, site for your channel yes Yep. Through, our, through our site. Yeah. So we've got a whole host, well, a whole pile of, of uh, barbers and bell staffs at the minute. Um, that have, we've, we've, some are kind of run-of-the-mill repairs that will, you know, they're all going to look fantastic. But there's some where we've been a little bit more creative, adding some wax camel fabric and um, changing the linings and all this kind of thing. But again, it's going to be a one-of-one one piece. We're going to do a hand-printed patch on the inside to say it's a, a Malian Sun Custom Works. Nice. Um, it's it's really bizarre because again, my background and what I did and what I do to find myself sat here talking to you about this is, is mind boggling. Earlier today, I was doing a, a quick Google of our brand and I found threads on Reddit about people in the U S asking for services like ours in the U S and uh-huh. I'm like, why is, what is this? This is yeah, yeah. absolutely insane. But, uh, that's nice. Yeah. That was- is, you know you've arrived when you you have people in forums talking about you. How can yeah. we get a version of this guy? Yeah, <laughs> you can just pop, a good type thing. in, go 
guys, I'm here. You don't need a version of me. <laughs> I, I did that. I logged in. I logged in. Hi, Ryan here. But yeah, <laughs> Ryan, I've only got a couple of minutes left, sadly, on the, on the call. But I wanted to ask, do you have any like film jackets? Uh, do you work with any production companies, like film companies? No, um, no, we've had a couple, I think, come through um, from Emmerdale. <laughs> which anybody from Yorkshire, we've had a few sure. come through there. Um, we have done a few jackets for a gentleman who's a stuntman. Um, who I could, I would not let him go because that, that was at the time we were before we moved to the office in the workshop. Um, I was doing this from home, and he came, and I'm like, "You need to sit down and tell me about your life because this sounds amazing." And he was yeah. telling me about his job and all this kind of thing. Um, but no, we, we not that I know of. Um, we've done, uh, yeah, we, we it's, it's kind of head down with the thing. We're like some of the customers come through, and and, and some of the guys in the office say, oh, they say, "Who's who's this is?" And I'm like, "Oh wow, I've just read that person's book." Or you know, it's, it's pretty cool to do that. And, and I also feel it's really cool that we offer them that safe environment to do that. But um, yeah, in terms of actual film production, not knowingly done anything more than the, the local soaps and so on. Day is young. You never know what's around the corner. The, the website, malandandson.com, and we'll leave all the links over on the show notes at menswearstyle.co.uk. Uh, do you like to hang out on Instagram? Is that the place to find We're On Instagram, yeah. Uh, yeah. Malin and Son. Instagram, Malin and Son. Nice and easy. Great. We're on there. Awesome. Go over there and check that out. Cheers, Ryan. Keep doing the Lord's work. Thank you. Take care. Bye, mate. You've been listening to the Menswear Style podcast. Be sure to head over to menswearstyle.co.uk for more menswear content and email info at menswearstyle.co.uk if you'd like to be a future guest on the show. Finally, please help support the show by leaving a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening to this podcast. Until next time.